Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, James McSorley at Mark Schofield back to talk about all things good, bad and indifferent about wheelchair basketball. There's a lot of that uh, last category. What, sorry? There's a lot in that last category. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> uh, good, bad and also indifferent. Um, we are recording this a little bit later than usual because I have been traveling all day. Because I'm going to Scotland to play three-on-three wheelchair basketball, which is a bit weird. But yeah, how's it going, Mark? It's good, man. Good to see you coming to us from Belfast HQ. Um, yeah, we, we're actually, we should just skip the roundup for this week and have you extensively tell us the rules of three-on-three basketball that you've been reading on the plane. <laughs> I've, I've had this running joke because uh, context to anyone who cares, no, context to people who don't care. Uh, there's three on three Commonwealth wheelchair basketball is a thing and the qualifiers between Northern Ireland, Scotland and Wales are on. I am Northern Irish and thought it was a cool opportunity to play on a team that people don't make fun of my voice. So I got involved and obviously playing in Spain, haven't been involved in any of our training camps or whatever. So I've just been telling everyone that I don't know the rules and I'll figure it out. And that's not true. I've watched a lot of, all of the like qualifiers in different places, like the entire Africa qualifiers have been on already and watched all of that and read all the rules, but there's only so much that you can get away from having played five on five your whole life. So I'm going to get something wrong and I'm very nervous about it, <laughs> but it'll be a laugh. And I'm going to be there to text you every time you do something wrong. You're going to come back to your phone from like a live feed of like, what are you doing? Messages for me. The funny thing is the games are like 10 minutes long. And they're all quite close together. So I'm going to have like half an hour between games and it's just going to be you berating me. (laughs) (laughs) Me berating you and you looking up the rules you just messed up in the last game. That's hilarious. Like going to check them. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so should we talk about five on five regulation wheelchair basketball and none of this weird stuff? Yeah, Basketball as James Naismith and Frank Vogel intended it. Oh God, yes. All right. So first game of the week. In Spain, that we are going to talk about was Las Rosas 63, Burgos 54. And take a drink at home if you called Las Rosas to press Burgos in the first quarter, because I would not have called Las Rosas to press anybody. Yeah, take a drink just because you predicting things that are that weird is strange. Yeah. <laughs> Honest to God, man. Like, Las Rosas all year we've been talking about how slow they play and they like, they're perilously at risk of like getting an eight second violation, bringing the ball up the floor while not being pressed. And yeah. they thought they could put the press on Burgos and they like semi did. Uh, yeah, I mean, like first quarter was 16-14. Like that's kind of eh. Eh. Yeah, it was it really work. It did okay. I just love something of like, hey, we're going to play this game slow and you're coming with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a weird one, man. I actually thought Las Rosas, I think as we've been doing these longer and longer, I've just given myself the liberty on some occasions where it's like, hey, I don't need to watch another Las Rosas game. They're going to lose to this team better than them. And I know how it's going to happen. So I like tend to catch a few minutes and be like, yeah, that's the story of this game in a nutshell right here. Um, I actually watched most of this one because you, know, anyone who knows me knows I never miss an opportunity to watch Burgos. 
Yeah, the team um, goes for life, apparently. Because that same logic doesn't apply to them because they're good. Um, boys. Yeah, so Las Rosas actually play, and they played Zuzanek as well, which we'll get onto, but across the weekend, they actually played some good, decent, pretty structured basketball now that they run this three big. Um, and yeah, Christian Gomez had a triple-double, which... Again, take a drink if you're really good at predicting weird stuff happening. But yeah, he finished with 12 points, um, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. So shout out to him. Yeah, the 11 assists is the wild bit. Yeah. But I guess they do a lot of like dribble the ball up, wait for some sort of big to cut off the ball in some sort of fundamentally sound, this is how you teach people to play basketball way. And then, like, threw, threw it to some weird contested post-up. So, I guess he had more than 10 of those. Yeah. Well, it's it's funny because he's, like, some of his some of the offenses they were running were, like, low-level Jokic stuff where it's, like, throw the ball into the post and everybody move around. But Gomez's entire game, his entire life has been, like, hey, throw me the ball in the post. I'm going to pull my wheels backwards and you've got three seconds till I launch this fadeaway. So I wonder if throwing in the ball in the post makes his teammates go into their motions and their cuts with like extra urgency because they're like, he's going to shoot this if I'm not there absolutely bang on time. Uh, yeah, I would, I'd love, you're just making me think of the idea of someone who's coached someone like Jokic before just throwing the ball into the high post and being like, why does this keep going up every time? <laughs> what do you mean you can't find cutters? But yeah. Yeah. It's, um, but yeah, no, I thought they played well, man. Um, Burgos just their mission to disappoint me never never seems to end. Um, they did a good job on Machek. Machek only took nine two pointers, and he normally takes exactly eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I think like Las Rosas are okay and have guys that can finish, and apparently them going three big is enough to get around the fact that. Burgos also go three big, but two of their bigs aren't particularly impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Seems obvious, but you maybe wouldn't have called that going in because Burgos probably have the two best players in this game. Yeah, it seems obvious, but we're talking about the like lower end of the league table. So maybe the team that does the obvious stuff slightly better wins basketball games, like yeah. is kind of the, the, the cutting edge analysis that you come to <laughs> us for. But I think there's a thing of like, Machek getting, um, I got to the line a couple of times, obviously. But Machek taking 14 shots, two of the which he got fouled on. Um, game getting 18, um, 21 shots up. That's all right, but like the rest of those guys kind of did a little too much. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I think I don't know, like they're a bit of a like. Hey, both your main guys got to get 20 whatever shots up. But like, yeah. it feels like the games that Burgos win that they shouldn't or that are, they're there, thereabouts is like, wow, Machek had 26. Sure. Is, is this the first time all season Las Rosas have won the possession battle? I was thinking that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it is. So if my Burgos optimism wasn't already fundamentally buried, after both Rose and Gaz got to come on here while I was away and take Burgos victory laps on my behalf and weren't nearly obnoxious enough about it. I yeah. think this might be the killer blow to my um to my Burgos stock right here. Yeah, you so, didn't even get to do it. That's disappointing. 
<laughs> so I'm selling Burgos stock if anyone wants to buy it. But I don't know if I'll be swamped with takers for that. Yeah. Oh, sorry, just to interrupt. But there we have a correction section. Oh, um, we Is it from Mandel. No, no, no. It's from it's from one of his fellow countrymen, Ari. Uh, we mentioned that Mercia had qualified for the Copa del Rey because Mercia mentioned that they had qualified for the Copa del Rey. But one of the games that was played this weekend that we will get to later was actually a replay from a different date that was before the end of the first round of fixtures. So that actually counted towards Copa del Rey standings and they're no longer going. Oh, right. So that's wild. Yeah, that's (laughs) heavy. Who's going to... Pardon? Who's going instead of them? By the lead, I think. Okay, right. That's probably... So if everyone's actually done playing games from the first half of the calendar now, that'll be all. But you can't blame us for looking at a team posting <laughs> yes. several pictures on Instagram celebrating it and just being wrong. Yeah, the moral of the story here is get your news through Instagram and then you can blame whoever posted a load of crap. Yes. Okay. So, uh, should we move, move on? on? Cool. Next game, Bilbao 72, Vigo 51. No, I didn't watch this because I was there. And I didn't watch this because you were there and I assumed you'd tell me about it. Yeah, also a bit weird. We played them a week ago, beat them by 30, 31, I think. Played them this time, beat them by 21. Did they get better? Did we get worse? Did both happen? Did David just not have 35? Was that the difference? Um, I think that the quick back-to-back always favours the... How the losing you, team. You're on afraid either the weaker team or the team that lost the original one. Yeah, because they're going to adjust more than the, the team that wins, I guess. And We'd, they're going to go into the game not being like, hey, we just beat these guys five days ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's the thing of like, they're quite top heavy. Like, Augustine played well and is good. Romo played all right and is good. Like, um, I'm actually like having played against them. Julio Vilas is like off ball cutting stuff is quite good for them. Like it's quite useful, but I just don't think they get enough from anywhere. Like, I don't think that's a hot take, like two from four, three from 11, one from one, one from three from their other guys. Like it's a lot of shots from those guys, which is like good for us to be like, Hey, you're very top heavy. Let's let these other guys get that many shots up. But it's also not that like it's, it's not that difficult to force the ball into certain people's hands. Yeah, I mean, we've come on here week after week and you've done your shtick about how both Agostino and Romo need to get 20-plus shots up each. And that sounds good in theory, but the way to spin that into what is very obviously a negative is to say the fact that they had another guy on their team who cracked double-digit shot attempts is a bad sign for them. Is like... That's not what any team wants to hear. It's like, oh no, we absolutely can't afford to have a third guy taking double digit shots. No, no, you're right. And the fact that it's like, the fact that you're looking at that going, okay, this is great that we managed to get 19 shots out of the other guys. Like, that's just like, that happens in every team. Like, like, yeah. People look the other way when I catch the ball at 12 feet. Like, you know what I mean? Every team has one or two. Like, but it's just, if you, I think having three is the issue. The really good teams have like one of those guys. The pretty good teams might have two, but if you have three, four, or five, you're going to have a bad time. But 
Or if you get like, there are ways to scheme around it. Like there's a lot of very good teams that don't have a whole lot of shooting and really, really figure it out. But it's just so much harder. Like basketball's so much easier when it's like, if I throw the ball to one of these three guys at 17 feet, it's either a bucket or it's a pick. Like yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, it just, I, I said I didn't watch this game because I knew you were going to tell me about it. I did catch chunks of it here and there and amongst the other games, but it's kind of the thing where like neither Agostino or Romo shot like either terribly badly or particularly well. And basically to beat a competent team, they need one of, if not both of those guys to have a huge game. And yeah. 18 and 14 respectively is fine, but isn't going to cut it. Like that might be the total those guys need to hit to beat Viadolid or downwards maybe. Yeah, for sure. So on we to- held them to, sorry, we held them to yeah. two threes attempted all game. Oh but yeah, that's big. Feels wrong. Feels a bit wrong. Feels a bit low, but like they got going against us early because they just lit us up from the three point line, which is, which is like it was it, yeah that makes a difference but yeah which will transition over to your team on this one because David Murray's on his own took four times as many threes as the entire video team apparently is yes. seven seven from eleven twos and zero from eight threes <laughs> it's like, yeah David didn't have it I got a message being like is David's hot streak over and I was like he had thirty five seven days ago like let's <laughs> like he's had. He had a big game since this sort of streak started. He had big game, big game, had a like a bad shooting game, went back and had another 35, and then it had another sort of not good shooting game. And it's like, do you probably need to have two bad ones in a row for us to be like, yeah, this might be over. But also he's still he's still on I'm still calling the streak on. Yeah, definitely. Why not? Um well, just, if you combine his two games against Vigo, he's at 25 and a half in the last two games. Yeah, so for sure. It's not exactly a cold streak. No. Um, but yeah, you guys, just, it was a similar story to kind of last time out against them where it's like they've got two bigs who do most of the work on offense. And the last thing guys who do most of the work on offense want to do is wrestle with Hasso on defense. And I think that shows Hasso Correct. is 11 from 19 and had 22. And he was plus 21. Yeah. Hasso was and is great. Yeah. He still does a little bit where like someone will throw him the ball in the free throw line and he'll kind of just like wiggle his way to under the basket. And I don't understand how he gets there because he's like the biggest man yeah. in the world of wheelchair basketball. But man, he can move sometimes. He also... Like, it's not like the sort of like ferocious, like raw power and athleticism that like Lee Manning will get under the basket with. It's like... Yeah catch the ball and just kind of like wiggle his way there. But yeah, it it's like reminiscent of like a max height Pete Fimber where it's like this guy has so much behind him that all he needs is like a little bit of movement and his momentum is enough to counteract most things he might bump into. Yeah. Big lads. Fair enough. Um, although Hasso did pull one move out that looked like it was out of a volleyball game or something when he like tilted up for an offensive rebound, just palmed it and what like didn't even really grab it and just kind of soft wristed it back in from like definitely way further out than you should be able to do that. Oh yeah. Someone, (laughs) 
someone on our team when he did that mid game was like, "Oh my god, did you actually just do that? What the?" <laughs> that that rem- that reminded me of. Have you ever have you ever had like something fall out of the cupboard and you just like catch it instinctively without really knowing what you? And then like as you've got it in your hand, you're like, "Oh man, I just did that. That was cool." Yeah, that seemed like Hasso's entire body just did that put back on like instinct as if he'd like never practiced that before, but was like, oh, this will probably go in. Yeah, it was weird, but it, it was dope. I enjoyed it. Um, and I guess your other bright spot for your team was your young fellow BL came and got some serious minutes and he played well. Yeah, BL did well and he's good. Um, yeah, man, came on and First three plays of the game, made a shot from the right right wing, made another shot from the exact same spot. Third one just curled Hasso in under the basket. And I was like, yeah, three from three. Yeah. Excellent. He's good, man. What's the, because he's not signed to you guys full time, is he? But no, there's a rule where I think you can, like, I don't remember what the official term is, but basically you can take someone from a team in the division below and have them play up for, I think it's like eight games a year or something. I don't know how many, but you have a certain amount of games and obviously you don't want to do that when you're playing for your actual team. But um, he plays for Barcelona who are coached by the ex Spanish men's head coach. Um, So I assume whether it's Asier or someone else has a bit of a relationship there or the club just does. Um, So he's been coming up and it's been, it's been good. It's been a good experience for him and he's great. So it's super good for the club as well. Is he potential full-time for next year for you guys? Do you think? I have no idea. I have no idea. All of that stuff goes on above my head. <laughs> I'd say someone will be getting onto it at some point. Like he's still very young as well, man. Like right, fair enough. But yeah, awesome. Right, uh, he, it is in his future uh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to say you must. Is he a two? Uh, I think so. <laughs> I'm going to say you must be watching over your shoulder. Ah, uh, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just looking forwards now. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we shift on? Yes. Okay. Mediva 74, Mercia 54. How much of this did you watch? I actually watched this full thing today because I I was in the car when this game tipped off and I checked in on it like maybe quarter by quarter and then I saw the end score and I was like, this, if I'd have seen it was only 20, I would have thought that Mediva had been at like partial strength, but they weren't. They had all their guys. And they've definitely beaten teams better than Mercia by more than they did. Yeah. So I wanted to watch this one. Um, I thought it was actually pretty interesting because it was like Mercia effectively play three mobile guys and two lows at any given point. And Madiba obviously do the four bigs and one low all the time. Yes. Um, so Madiba's kind of secret source in this one, not that they game planned for Mercia specifically, was like any time they got a pick back and they were effectively then going like four mobile guys against two, which is obviously much harder to defend than four against three where you can plant somebody like Lalo in the middle. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of the story of it for Madiba. But I actually think Mercia showed a little bit of maybe above their what you would expect them in terms of how Madiba went out and tried to hassle them with the mobility and they really pressured the ball and stuff. And Mercia were like, actually our guys like Lalo, Halfley and Joaquin Robles are all like mobile enough to the point where you're not just going to push out and like fluster them immediately. Yeah. They're not yeah. scared of it. 
like they're not that yeah, terrified think, of it. I think there was a few good examples in the game of uh, Mercia using Madiba's pressure against them and like letting them come all the way out to then just get like a flash cut on the other side or you know pass the ball off and actually play off it effectively rather than letting it be too dictated. But yeah. Like, Madiba still won, obviously, because they have by far more of an abundance of talent than most of Because do. they're great. Yeah. Like Yeah, let's not let's not overthink it. But yeah, I was I was impressed by the I guess I was impressed by the performance of both teams here, to be honest. Cause I I also don't think this Madiba winning by 20 was a Madiba slouch in any no. sense. I think they got pushed relatively hard by a team not as good as them, and they answered the call anyway. Yeah, yeah. So big, I skimmed. I skimmed this one on my yeah. travels. So fair enough. You watched the story over. from this one. Salvador Sandoval, thirteen from sixteen for twenty-eight points and plus thirty-four in thirty-six minutes. So that means Medivh were outscored by fourteen in the four minutes he didn't play, which is. That seems very high. Uh, I don't specifically remember the minutes he wasn't on the floor, but yeah, these stats are potentially dodgy as well. Like, yeah, the Mercia uh, ones have been a bit suspect all year. To be fair, they have um, been. We we scored 133 against Mercia, and also Sonia Ruiz apparently played 50 minutes according to these stats. So I, I never mind. Never mind referring to the stats. Let's refer refer to what you remember from the game. Yeah, um, but yeah, like. The pushing the floor stuff from Madiba is what it's always been. I think Madiba's interior passing has got better as the season's gone on. Um, and I think you asked me last week if I would pick them against Albacete. I don't think I did. I think my question was, have they been the best team in the league? Yeah, that was it, sir. Um, I think if they're able to leverage their interior passing as well as they have the last few weeks, that's the thing that might give them the highest upside because they've definitely got better at it than they were. There was times early in the season where their transition was like brute force and occasionally a little bit clunky if they overpassed or whatever, whereas I think they've found the balance now. Sure. Um, Yeah. um, Mercy aside, Lalo was 17, Philip Halfley with 15. They haven't started him for like the last couple of games and then they take him off the big chunks as well. It's like, hey, he's at least... Your second best player. <laughs> yeah, need to be putting him in the game a lot super, more. Than super you. weird. Yeah, I wonder if it's still like a hey, you've just got here compared to some of. Like, yeah, that's why. That's why I wonder as well. But um, difference for those guys. Yeah, presumably he'll be sticking around next year because I doubt he's got. He's not going to have been here for like half a season and then be like, get me the hell out of this place. Yeah, Mercy is quite nice. Yeah. So, yeah, no shout out to Mercy man, but also yeah, way to go, Madiba for taking care of business. Yeah. And cool. up next. The weirdest game of the week. <laughs> Amiab 92. Vidalid 57. Yeah. So I turned this on at halftime, at which point it was 41-37. Yeah. To you, did, you did the same as me. So I turned it on at halftime and I was like, what in God's name is happening? So I kind of went back and watched a quarter and I was like, I don't know. So no Lee. Yeah. So that make I was like, there's a thing where like, I don't really know what happened. Lee Manning not playing makes a difference, obviously, because he's Lee Manning. Um, but I was like, I don't really 
get what's happening. Like, I, I don't know. They just can't really get going. And um, finally are playing all right as well. Like, their bigs are doing okay. And they're hitting shots. And it is one of those, like, are you just hanging with them for a while? Is it going to be that? Are you going to fall off? But my God, 27-3 and a quarter is falling yeah. off a bit more than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh, the, the first eight minutes of the quarter, I think, were 23 nil. Yeah. The um hilarious. You, like I don't hilarious. I'm not like sounds like I'm making fun of them. That's just like, hey, this game's a bit weird. Oh no, there you go. That's yeah. Like 92-57 is hectic. But if you were like, if you took 15 off each of those and told me they were gonna win by that same amount, I would be like, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, but, yeah. oh my god. <laughs> no, it, I did the exact same thing as you when I checked the stats at halftime and I was like, what? But I had only watched the game back today but um yeah it was 41 37 coming out of the half and i think it was gaz hit a three yeah first possession and then oscar on ruby i got a breakaway fast break layup and everybody on viadolid's body language was kind of like oh that's game <laughs> so i was like, just gonna say yeah, that is the most like they just weren't ready in the third quarter and i wonder if there's like a hey man we need to come out to play in this court everyone like Everyone's worried about the third quarter slump, but I wonder if there was a thing of like, oh, we're hanging on here. We might actually. And then if you don't really believe it when they go on a 4-0 run or you're like, ah, there it is. This is how this is meant to go. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just like subconsciously, I wonder if like you're hanging on with a team and as soon as they have a bit of a run or you're like, ah, there yeah, it is. Feel the borrowed time slipping away. Yeah. But the big thing, like I, I didn't even like, as I say, I mean, having 41 and a half isn't bad. It's just not being able to stop Violet was interesting, but yeah, put a bit of a hustle on. They brought the like Ben, Harry, Oscar sort of hustle to play, which was fun. Like that'll turn a game over. Sure. And then Gaz going absolutely nuts does help. Yeah, I Gaz think from 11 threes for 34 points kind of helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A tool in the box. Um, I think. I genuinely think a symptom of this game, or maybe not a symptom, a cause of the close first half is that I don't think Albacete ever get comfortable with the idea of not playing with the biggest guy on the floor. And I think going against somebody the size of Yelma in the first game where you've not had Lee for a while is like Yelma had a good first half of knocking shots down and still isn't getting yeah. the belt because he was a minus 35 for the game. But yeah, come on, Yelmer. Um, Get it together. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely wonder if the first half was just like the adjustment period of like, okay, we can't just rely on let the big guy roll into our big guy and he'll be smaller than him. Oh, I don't know. They play non Lee minutes like when he, like they played two fours, they played Gaz and Filipski yeah. without Lee anyway. I so mean, like, the other explanation is that Albacete have done this against weaker teams where they've just been like, ah, we'll be fine. We'll figure, we'll turn it on at some point and we'll blow it away. And they've every reason to believe they can do that. Yeah, this was kind of what I was expecting to happen that time, that it was like 1919 at the end of the first half against Las Rosas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know, like, but it's funny you look at it and they basically just turned it on in the second half and had an absolute field day. Like Gaz had 34 Filipski had 12, he had 14, 12, and 11. Ben had 20 on yeah. 10 of 15, ben, 10 of 14 shooting. Ben only had six at half time as well. And then I think ran 14 in after half time. Yeah. Uh, like, which is, that is very like a lot of it was 
good defense, turn the ball over, layups. Like, yeah. and then obviously Ben is so mobile that if you've got someone who's bombing away from three, there's a lot of like pick. There was a lot, there's a lot of like ball to three point shooter, pick, skip it, hit cutter. Like, yeah, they've got so much, they've got so much going on when those guys are scoring. Yeah. But that all that said, man, shout out to Vitaly because there's a lot of teams that wouldn't have stuck with Albacete for the first half. So and bearing in mind the the grief we gave them for well, I gave them for various weeks prior to this one, they've stepped their game up a little bit. And if you push a team that that's that's that much more stacked than you for half a game when you shouldn't do, I think you can at least claim some level of moral victory from that even yes. if they do find their form for the ensuing 20 minutes. Sure. Just quickly, other side of the ball, obviously, Yelmer is 16, Maxi with 21. Um, something that something that I find interesting that I mean, I did, whether it was on purpose or whether I just kind of happened to notice it a couple of times that were just like random bits of chaos that I put down to actual intent um, on their sort of, on their end line play, which is too high screen, like a horns set. Yeah. Um, and he had a couple of times like double jumped. And there was just one time because Maxi, obviously, first option on that, he's going to shoot that three or he's going to try his best to make you jump. And they've got stuff to run off it. But at one point, Ben and Harry, whether it was by accident or on purpose, both jumped him. And I was like, oh man, poor Maxi <laughs> Ruggieri. Yeah. This is a horrible spot to be in. Yeah, so like, we're outnumbered behind the play. But the ball's not going to get there because it's a lot of it's a lot of defense on your foot right there. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> made me laugh. Like you mean, like hey, we've managed to get two people out of the play. If only I could move the ball at all. Yeah, it's kind of um, we've talked in the last couple of weeks about some teams who might be tinkering with stuff for Euro Cup. I wonder if this is an Albacete tool in the locker that's like, hey, sometimes we're just going to put five people on the ball and he won't be able to pass it to anybody who's open. <laughs> Okay. Um, I do wonder if they could do that with Lee, if they could just defend the ball with four people and then have Lee guard the four remaining offensive players, like if he just was a one-man zone. I thought you meant the opposite, just like send Lee out onto the ball. Oh, well, yeah, you can do that as well. Yeah. Well, let's not give away the secrets. They might have all this stuff in the locker for Euro Cup. <laughs> right. I don't think we have secrets. All right, next game. Let's do it. So... This was Zuzanak 57, Malaga 70. I watched this one somewhat half-heartedly, I will admit, but this went about according to the script. Um, and this was a first game of a double weekend for Zuzanak, and I guess we can spoil it at this point because it's already happened, saying this was the loss before they actually finally grabbed a win on the Sunday. So... Yeah. Shout out to them. They got this loss out of the way and won the one they needed to. Not that it makes any difference in the standings at this point, I would imagine. But uh, I don't. I don't know. There, there's still a chance. I guess is the thing. Yeah, Op- optimistic perhaps, but um, yeah. I mean, this was just for all of kind of Malaga's. Well, what we've talked about in terms of like, do the pieces fit all the time? Probably not. It isn't a terrible experimenting ground to be running this out against Zuzanax. I think it's proving ground to make most of your lineups at least look like they can function. And they got some offensive success with 
Ezekiel Aspas with 21, Abdi with 20, and our guy Cazarino with 15. Yeah, Cazarino off the bench with 15. He's one of those guys that comes off the bench and plays more than half the game, though. Like, doesn't start, but gets 25 minutes a game. Yeah. I'd say he's probably averaging around that as well. It's I'm a good look. Also, I've just I've never seen this before because we've got the long version of the stats, but his name is Gregor with two Zs in it, and I'm not even going to try and... I don't know how, how you read an R and a Z next to each other twice in a word, but Fair anyway. Um, so, Zuzanak side, 17 for Jose Lee, 19 for Adrian Garcia, who was actually big in their other game as well, uh, who I don't think has had a particularly big game for them all year. It's basically Jose Lee does what he does. They sometimes get some stuff from Ruben Viso and anything else is a bonus really, but they actually had a a legit second contributor. Ruben Viso was out for this game. So I guess that was the closest to picking up the slack. But yeah, this was just kind of a, a run of the mill as you would expect, good team against not good team, comfortable win, I think is the bottom line on this one. Yeah, I think so. That's kind of like the next, like it's one of the next steps for Malaga in the next couple of years to just be like, cool, Zuznak, done. Like, just go and like steamroll the teams that you're above. Yeah, like 13 isn't, I mean, yeah, like that's not steamrolling, but... Now, there's a lot to be said for just handling business in the games you should win and because the season is long and there's a lot of good teams and the last thing that you need when you're going up against teams above you in the standings is either to devote too much time to prepping for teams you shouldn't or to have in the back of your mind a level of worry about, well, if we only beat this team that's worse than us by... X number of points or lost to them, we don't feel good about going up against these teams above us in the standings. Yeah, there's a real weird thing of like, if you're going to do that thing where you nick games off the teams above you, like if you then go and lose to Mercia or Zuzanak or someone just to pick two random teams that are below these guys in the league, like that just doesn't like doesn't mean anything. You're practically back to zero. Like if your idea is not bothered. Yeah, if your idea is beat everyone who's, say you're trying to Sat around sixth, beat everyone below sixth, lose to everyone above. Like you're just there if you take one off them, but then you give one back practically. But yeah, yeah. I think a good Jaime Esparza game, like a good efficient Esparza game, makes such a difference. And there's something to be said about efficiency against a lower level of resistance being a lot easier. But yeah, also shout out to Abdi just being 10 from 13. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Uh, I refuse to believe Abdi had 10 makes and Malaga as a team only had 16 assists because like surely Abdi is just Abdi should be 10 assists on his own if he's making 10 baskets. Yeah, no, that Abdi does Abdi does the stuff where I like catch it, dribble it once because the defender's not close enough and be like, yeah, yeah come here, come here, come here, come here, please. Or or he'll see a team like Malaga, which is like bigger guys who get point deductions whatever and he'll be like I'm going to try and post some of these guys up and see what happens yeah makes it hard for yeah. himself sometimes but man does he make it look so easy when he's going <laughs> yeah it's so good ridiculous man Abby Jamma good there you go yeah. there's some more cutting edge <laughs> <analysis>. <laughs> subscribe and pay us <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Right, let's shift on from this one because this next one was kind of a big deal, a la Ron Burgundy. Have yeah, you kind watched, of a big deal? Have you watched Grand Canaria seventy nine Illunion seventy three? I have. Yes. Have this you? One. I have because I know what I'm doing, and I definitely didn't skim watch this and then have you remind me that three people got 20 plus and that was basically it. No, I watched the vast majority of this game and then I think I got sunk into the Thuringen and um, Ryan River Rhinos game and I mostly forgot about what happened here. So I skimmed watched this again this morning and was like, oh yeah, this one was great. Yeah, very good game. Uh, Grand Canaria kind of came out blocks early. Um won the first quarter 22-18 and there was a point sort of end of the first start of the second that I thought Amadou was just going to bring them back into it on his own. Yeah, he'd, he'd big one for him. Um, Greg was like, a, I was talking to someone else about this and I was like, Greg was like a quiet 20, which is just like testament to the fact that like Greg just has 20. Like he right. just he probably averages, yeah, he averages 19.4 a game. There you right. go. It's just like it's a quiet 20 when you're meant to score 20 every game, I guess. Greg with a quiet 20 on almost the identical stats that we just complimented. Um, as far as having an efficient <laughs> 20. Exactly. Like, I think one Grand Canaria were great and are great. Um, as we say, like Jorge with 26. Ari with 23, Jorge Salazar with 20. Um, Jorge Sanchez with once again one of those mad games where he was four from ten from two and ended up to ended up to 26, yeah. which is like NBA players do that quite a lot. There's very few guys that'll get to the line 12 times in a game, make three from five threes. You know what I mean? Like most guys will get to about the amount of shot attempts they make if they shoot 50%. You know what I mean? Like most yeah. people get there with mostly twos because yeah, like the wheelchair, ga- wheelchair game is predominantly sort of 17 feet and in for a lot of guys. But just doing that by sort of getting your way to the line, making your free throws, shooting a good percentage from threes. He finished the first and second quarter with threes. The first quarter one was completely insane. Yeah. Um, he had a really big game, but... Having skimmed it, what are your thoughts on like where the sort of difference was? Um, I think it was, I think it's similar to it's like a very similar pattern to when they played Malaga. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before that, but Gran Canaria are like renowned at this point for their half court offense, which was fine for most of the game. Um, they didn't get the most efficient Rose Holloman shooting game ever, but I don't think she gets those against Illunion anymore since that. They time. beat the life out of her, man. Yeah. And well, I think she, one of the things that made the difference was the refs were blowing that whistle when they were trying to beat the life out of her when she caught the ball. I don't yeah. mean like, I mean, they they defend her very physically. I don't mean to say it like too much or whatever, <laughs> like the refs blow the whistle. But, but, they beat the life out of her in the same way that you told me prior to you guys playing Grand Canaria was your exact game plan. <laughs> so, that's that's everyone's yeah. game plan now. Rose gets nothing. Like, yeah. um, I think especially against Lunion because she had thirty plus against or oh, twenty nine against them that one time. And I think they've she spooked them since then. But um, yeah, yeah, they kind of they consistently try and put some sort of size on her footplate on the yeah. catch and like. 
hope that the physicality makes a difference. And it does, to be fair. Like, yeah, sure. It's, um, it's not a bad plan, but... but yeah, I thought their half-court offense kind of got them through. There was... I think Gran Canaria were pretty comfortably ahead by like five or seven for the majority of the game. And it got to a point where Terry only played like 18 minutes because he's obviously working his way back. Didn't shoot the best. But Terry hit a three to put Illunion up 64, 63 with about five or six minutes left. I'm going yeah. off. I'm going off the dome here for numbers. So correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. But no, minute twenty-seven, they were down ten, and then they tied it about thirty-four minutes in. Like yeah. they weren't. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Grand Canary went on. I think the next run they had was something like thirteen-four or fifteen-four or something like that. And it was kind of similar to Malaga where for all the praise their half-court offense deservedly gets, they got out in transition against a team that probably isn't as mobile across the board as them. Um, yeah. Salad, I was big for that one. And Illunion in two crucial moments couldn't get passes to Bill Latham and it turned into a pass being tipped out of bounds and like a reset of the defense with a few seconds left and then a tip for like a breakaway layup and yeah, yeah. yeah it was just kind of Grand Canary now seemed to be able to like up the intensity and pull that out to go along with all their half court stuff so yeah if they've that got both, both of those in the quiver for kind of close game situations most teams even if they employ Terry and Greg are going to struggle to match that execution in like the last five minutes of the game. Yeah. Elenian kind of, there's like the thing of Terry hasn't played for a couple of weeks. So the Terry lineups looked a little bit like there's a little bit of rust there, which there's going to be. But that was my thing where you brought it back to a close game. And then for about six minutes, you didn't get five people back to your half to play defense. Yeah. Like, like I was. In my mind, it was three or four minutes and I went back and watched it then. It's legit like the last six minutes of just some sort of numbers type situation. A lot of it's like really good Grand Canaria man out stuff because you're playing against a team that's got two shooters, two perimeter guys, a one and two bigs that you're just sending to the basket. Like, yeah, that's not a bad team to try and get out and run against. But man, that being the difference after you manage to come all the way back is tough. And yeah, also, as I say, like trying to play a certain very physical style of game when the referee's blowing that whistle does kind of make it difficult. But like also you've had 40 minutes to get used to the whistle is the thing. But I do feel like there were times where it was like a couple of couple of extra whistles as the union were making their way back into it is yeah. tough. Yeah, it swing swings momentum. But, but yeah, uh, yeah three you guys, know. three guys having twenty—that's gonna get it done. Although, like we say that, like Illunion didn't also have, like, what was it? They had 18, 16, 15, 20 from the yeah, top we, four guys. Like, we, we talk about, can they get a fourth guy in on the on the act outside of the guaranteed points from? Um, I think you can even argue they got more from Terry than they might have expected in this one. But yeah, fifteen and eighteen minutes, man. Like. Um, but yeah, I mean, Illumion actually got a legit fourth scoring option because Amadou had a big game. Uh, yeah, normally like a high-ish volume but high efficiency Amadou makes the difference for them. And it's like, 
credit to Grand Canaria that even with that game, they weren't able to get it done. Yeah, but, this is the point at which I get that Grand Canaria are a, a fully legitimate opponent or whatever, but this is the point at which Illunion troubled me a tiny bit because it's like if you're getting high double figures from four guys and your other guys who might be scoring threats are getting a combined three shots up in 30 plus minutes it's like if your four guys can't carry you to a win against this team much smaller than you you might be in a bit of trouble against bigger teams which is not something you would ever think you would say about Illunion but we're kind of we're probably going to find out if that's the case come Euro Cup and other such endeavours Ah, yes, Euro Cup. Check out our interview with Jan Heller about Euro Cup 2 finals. Hey. Exclusively on coffee. Yep. So Exclusively, it's free on there. Like, yeah, go check it out. Um, um, cool. All right. Yeah, next one. We'll rattle through this because we've spoken about both these teams already. But we had a two-point game. Zuzanak 67, Las Rosas 65. So Zuzanak get their first win of the season. And Las Rosas are the last team in the Spanish league who want to play one day and then travel to an away game the day after because those guys need to recharge the batteries probably more than any other team in the league. Yeah, man. Did you watch the sort of end game with this stuff? Yeah. Wild. Just so strange. Like, yeah, it was... I don't really know. I would never have called Zuzanak to win this one because they have struggled all year with size and Christian Gomez put up 27 on 20 shots on them but they got another big game from Adrian Garcia and they actually got four double digit scores in this game which is Illunion levels of production um, <laughs> they've struggled to get above Like it's been a good game if they've got two guys into double figures most games this season they got four randomly um, yeah. so yeah I mean shout out to those guys um, Adrian Garcia with 24 Ruiviso 16 Ali Shikohi with 12 and Jose Leap with 11 and yeah it was just their kind of spread of weird size and points deductions was apparently enough to undo the last process three big which had won a game not even 24 hours earlier yeah also just the end game situation in this going Zuzanak up by a handful of points to then like yeah Zuzanak were up like six or seven with two minutes to go then Las Rosas nearly making the comeback all the way filing it being called an unsportsmanlike which normally ends the game completely yeah uh, Jose Lipe who had just missed who had just made two free throws um, missing those two being filed again missing again and you having a chance to tie it is nuts you know what I mean being that far away making the comeback and then the ref calling an end game on sportsman like which I hate yeah. it was like a bit of a like reach to grab someone but that comes from being like hey the referees aren't just going to let me walk up and tap someone how do, you, um, how do you feel about the rule that there can be no unsportsmanlikes called in the last two minutes of a close game? That's hilarious. <laughs> no, I just think you need to like ref on intent to cause 
yeah, some sort of harm rather than intent to file. People being like, it's like it's not even meant to be refed as an intent to file because people file like out of every file that's committed in a game, I'd say probably like forty five percent of them are or forty percent, maybe maybe less, are intentional. Just like, oh no, this guy beat me, little bump. Like, yeah, but yeah. It's yeah. just weird because a referee has twigged on to the fact that this is when people file on purpose. They're like, hey, it's too obvious. Now I must blow my whistle and put yeah. my hands above my head. But anyway, doing that, giving that away, them missing the free throws, filing the guy who catches his rebound, him missing again, and you having a shot from under the basket is wild but heartbreaking to not bring it all the way. Alexi Ruiz missed a shot from about two feet out. No, yeah. maybe less. I think he was too far under the basket is the problem. It yeah, ran he, around, which is heartbreaking. He'd actually, he'd had a pretty good game. Um, yeah, seven from 19, seven from 18 up to that point. It's a shame for uh, Las Rosas to lose on this one because they had, this is as close, we're obviously big uh, Salvador Zavala fans over here, but he's had a, a vintage weekend. <laughs> like he, he had only 10 in this game, but he had 14 in the first half of the Saturday game. And I think he finished with 22. And it's yeah. like, that guy's not going to have many more 30 point weekends. <laughs> so He might. Um, also, yeah. apparently back in the day, I say apparently, like I heard someone talking about this and it reminded me about like him back in the day in Spain, apparently was just like getting buckets, top score in the league. And if anyone has any footage, please forward it on to bench units HQ. I think, I think um, that is, I've definitely heard that before. I also think a load of that stuff is like Biggs top scored because it's like if you watch the old Simon Munn footage, like obviously Simon Munn was like a top class player in the world for like 15 to 20 years, but it's like I have no, I'm not surprised at all. He top scored leagues consistently because all he ever did was like push basket to basket looking for his own points because that's how Biggs played then. Yeah. So although I'm saying this, he averaged 22 a game in 2018. Yeah. That's like I don't need to go back that far, but I'd love to see him like young and just gunning. Yeah. So if anyone's got that, and um, before we move on from Spain, we have a new Christian Gomez inspired bench units feature where we're going to come up with the guys who need a new or different basketball chair all star team led by Christian Gomez who still sits in a chip like. We mentioned Simon Munn, who was the king of being like, no, I like my chair. I've had my chair designed this way for the last 15 years and I'm not changing it now. And Christian Gomez might be in the same category. Yeah, just anyone being like that big an amputee and being like, no, I choose to sit flat is just like it might be a comfort thing. There might be like, maybe it's like something that he wants to do or needs to do. But it's just funny to me where it's like this guy, this guy's massive and could be a foot taller. Yeah, it is a weird one, but we'll come up with that list because I think uh, there must be some good material in there. Probably. Any suggestions, let us know. Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right, moving on. Germany. Let's do it. So, in Germany, full stop. So, last week we talked about how that was game one in the playoffs and Thuringer went to Wiesbaden to play Rhine River Rhinos without Alexander Haluski, who had been their top scorer all regular season. And they took what was a competent uh, Rhine River Rhinos team and promptly dismantled them with their second through to 10th guys or however many they play. And 
yeah, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone that it didn't get any easier for Wiesbaden when Haluski came back. Oh, funny so, that. Yeah, yeah. Who, who'd have thought it? So this was uh, Thuringia Bulls 84, Ryan Riverinos 45, and Ryan Riverinos sadly um, eliminated from the German playoff scene. I say sadly, I don't know if anyone would have been calling an upset on Thuringen from these guys. And that's certainly no slant at them. But my main takeaway from this is having watched Thuringen in these games for the last two weeks, you will have a very, very tough time persuading me anyone other than them is going to win Champions Cup this time next month. Sure, that might be that might be a good early call. They're so so physical and so good. It's like they're as physical as anyone I've seen play in a long time, but it's not just brute force. They've also got like obviously a lot of unbelievable high-level basketball players, but defensively, like they just changed their looks up so much. They were like just randomly decided. I say randomly decided to press. There's a weird thing of like I was like, you're 28, five up. Why are you pressing? But like, this is elite level basketball. If you think that's going to win you the game, fair enough. Like, there's <laughs> a weird thing where people are like, why are you like, well, because that's like, yeah, that's what's going to win them the game. But they obviously they start. I it always find it's so weird to me that they start under points. Yeah. With a reduction, but like, it's almost, kind of, it's something of a flex, isn't it? It's being like, hey, we're not even fully taking advantage of the rules here and we are just fine with this. Yeah, they're so, so mobile as well. Like defensively, they just come and like, they're super happy to extend and try and get over picks that they're not even that fussed about getting over if they don't have to. Like picks that you could go under, they're like, no, I can get over this. It's fine. Like, yeah. I'm just going to blast through this. Um, and that comes with having two giants as a safety net, I guess, obviously, but um, who are also very mobile defenders as well. Like they're not just like, chin to the basket either like those guys can get out in the floor and extend and the amount of times that they were just like no you're gonna get nothing but yeah i I think as well we talked about you guys having a like quick turnaround series with vigo and how the winning team doesn't go into the game feeling the pressure to adjust but i think it speaks to thuringen's kind of clinical nature that matthias gutner who is reiner verino's biggest guy by a long way and is about the only guy on that team who has a chance of battling with Haluski and Vahid. He had 16 in the last game, and then he had four in this game because they were like, hey, you're not putting 16 up on us again, young fella. We're the biggest team here. Yeah, he didn't play as much either. Like yeah. They kind of put him in for Andre Hop at one point, and then back out, and then they put two ones in the floor, and they're going to immediately send a press lineup to the bench, and then they subbed about three offenses later. Yeah. Which is always like, hey, the press is either to turn your two ones lineup over, or it's to make you be like, okay, no, we're not going to do that. Never mind. But yeah. and the thing is, like, I don't know a whole lot about their second one, but like, there's a big drop off. There's a pretty big drop off in general in terms of ones that are as mobile as Jim Palmer. Yeah. And although um, Nick, like Nico um Nico Damiano is actually we played against him at Euro Cup when he oh, was yeah. with Varese. <laughs> he scored like 18. I think he was just hitting like ridiculous shots. <laughs> but I think it was like garbage time stuff. Sure. Um but yeah he's like not a terrible one but 
Thuringa's ones are Yitzka and Carly Spodniak's, and Jim can probably just about match those guys in terms of mobility, and anyone other than him absolutely can't do that. Yeah, Jim is the man. Jim, yeah. That's the takeaway here, isn't it, from this game? Jim, Jim, Palmer Jim, is, Jim uh, was their top scorer f- through three quarters before Aaron Young hit some shots in the fourth. Um, yeah. But yeah, this was 13 for Aaron Young, nine for Jim, seven for Andre Hopp, and a handful of fours across the board for Reiner Varinos. And then you've got 23, 14, 16, and 15 from... I don't know why I read them in that order. Uh, from Thuringen, just there, from Haluski, Vahid, Jens, and Jordi Ruiz, respectively. So, yeah, this was just, it was never going to go well when Haluski came back. I think. Yeah, mathematically quite difficult if your top scorer has less points than the other team's fourth top scorer. <laughs> Not impossible. Like, the, yeah. there's, uh, there's a way to do it, but like everyone would need to have 13. Yeah. But, yeah, man, this is just, they are streets ahead of most teams, like definitely every team except Landil in that league. And yeah. I can't wait to see those guys match up again. But yeah, that's that's what I've come away from this most excited about is I, I really want to see. And I'm I'm interested because I think the German league is renowned as being the most physical. So I really want to see when it comes to the clash of the top German and Spanish teams who kind of is able to set the tone slash adjust to the tone the best yeah. and use it to their advantage. Sure. Yeah, because I think tone is a good way to describe it because I was going to say that was the big thing that we noticed between Landil, Thuringen, game one and game two. Like, maybe obviously there were micro adjustments and more technical stuff, but like tonally, it was like, okay, yeah. we're going to try and lay the smack down here and see what we can get away with. And they were at home and that makes a difference yeah. in the second game to like, well, they're I think gonna, you get a, I think you get a nicer whistle at home a lot of the time. Obviously, well, they're going to be at home for the whole of the Euro Cup as well. So they are. Yeah. That's true. So watch out, rest of Europe. Pack yourself some spare wheels and chairs. I think is probably the message. <laughs> That's dumb. All, All right. right, are we done? Yeah, let's get out of it. We'll plug the coffee account before we go anywhere. If you haven't done so already, and thank you to those that have because we really appreciate it. Um, head to co which is ko-fi.com slash bench units check out our exclusive content including our EuroLeague preview with Jan Haller of Hanover United who was a really great interview and told us a load of great stuff so check that out we've got one coming for the other EuroLeague preview and then there'll be the Champs Cup stuff coming on the way and if anyone would like to one-off donate or repeatedly subscribe that option is there for you the content is free even if you don't want to do that, but obviously this doesn't cost nothing for us to do. So any coins thrown in is greatly appreciated. Um, And yeah, we appreciate everybody's support regardless of financial representation. I was going to say thanks for any sort of support, whether it's just liking, sharing, telling a friend, telling a friend to tell a friend, telling a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, um, Telling a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that nobody our age has more than three close friends, so we would be lying to ourselves. Yes, in, <laughs> in perpetuity. Um, yeah, no, like and anything that you can do to kind of keep us going is cool. So shout out to you guys. Okay, and last order of business, who's getting the belt before we get out of here? Ooh. See, I was thinking Gaz, because 
that was a massive game. I think going eight from 11 from three yeah. is belt worthy, but I don't know. The only other thing is Gran Canary having three 20 point scores almost cancels out, which is nuts. Yeah. I'm going to go Gaz because he voted for Ben and I'm convinced he did it so that Vidalid would be like, well, he's just going to try and force feed Ben the ball and get Ben shots. And Gaz then started raining threes. Yeah, typing that in so you can go fake inside, <laughs> cash three, fake inside, cash three. Um, it's funny that uh, our influence goes that far. It's hilarious. Other candidate would be Haluski for having a big game in a big game. He did have a big game in a big game, but I struggled to reward. Like they won the, they other, week, the other week anyway. So it's not like, oh, thank God he came back and saved them. It's like, hey, thank God he came back and poured some more points on. <laughs> they probably would have been fine without. So yeah. I'm going Gaz for the belt this time. So congratulations, Gaz. Cool. Locked in. Right. Sweet. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. And we'll be back at some point soon. Have a good Peace. week. Bye.